You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. President Biden will sign an executive order to bolster maritime port security. Apple announces post-quantum encryption for iMessage. Malwarebytes examines the iSoon data leak. Law enforcement airs Lockbit's dirty laundry. Baronis highlights vulnerabilities affecting Salesforce platforms. An appeals court overturns a $1 billion piracy verdict. NSA's Rob Joyce announces his retirement. And Newberger chats with Wired. A leading staffing firm finds its data for sale on the dark web. In our sponsored Industry Voices segment, Navneet Singh, VP of Marketing Network Security at Palo Alto Networks, discusses the transition to the cloud and shares some examples from healthcare. And hackers and hobbyists push back on the proposed Flipper Zero ban. It's Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. Thank you for joining us here today. It is great to have you with us. President Joe Biden is set to issue an executive order to bolster the cybersecurity of U.S. maritime ports, granting the Coast Guard new powers to tackle cyber threats, and initiating a rulemaking process for enhanced cyber requirements in the maritime sector. This move, which includes over $20 billion in port infrastructure investments over five years, aims to fortify the nation's supply chains and national security in response to threats like the China-linked Volt Typhoon hacking group. The order mandates maritime entities to improve digital defenses and report cyber incidents to the Coast Guard. Additionally, it addresses concerns over Chinese-manufactured cranes' vulnerability to hacking, imposing specific security requirements. The initiative reflects the critical economic and security role of ports— which facilitate over 90% of U.S. overseas trade and are integral to the country's $5.4 trillion annual economic activity. Apple introduced a new post-quantum cryptographic protocol for iMessage they call PQ3, designed to offer post-quantum encryption. Touted as the most significant cryptographic upgrade in iMessage history, PQ3 aims to elevate secure messaging with its state-of-the-art encryption and defense mechanisms, surpassing the security features of other widely used messaging apps. PQ3 aims to safeguard against harvest-now-decrypt-later attacks by future quantum computers, 
ensuring end-to-end encryption that secures both key establishment and message exchange, achieving what Apple defines as Level 3 security. The protocol will eventually replace the current cryptographic standards across all supported iMessage conversations. Malwarebytes has published an early analysis of the leak from iSoon, a Chinese cybersecurity firm believed to be an APT for hire for China's Ministry of Public Security. The leaked information has revealed a wide array of hacking tools and services, likely exposed by a disgruntled employee. The data includes complaints, chat records, financial details, product information, employee data, and evidence of infiltration into government departments across India, Thailand, Vietnam, South Korea, and NATO. The tools showcased include a Twitter stealer capable of real-time monitoring and posting tweets, custom remote-access trojans for various operating systems with extensive surveillance capabilities, portable network attacking devices, special equipment for operatives, a user lookup database for social media correlation, and frameworks for targeted penetration testing. Further analysis of the comprehensive data is ongoing. Following up on yesterday's reporting, Western law enforcement agencies have taken down the infamous LockBit ransomware group's infrastructure and have done so with a flourish, turning the criminals' own dark web platform against them. Coined Operation Kronos, this takedown has seen the UK's National Crime Agency not only seize, but also sassily repurpose LockBit's site to dish out the gang's dirty laundry. With a touch of British bravado, the NCA has kept the site's original layout but replaced nefarious content with tantalizing teasers of LockBit's exposed secrets, complete with countdown timers for when the next bombshell will drop. This follows the successful infiltration of LockBit's operations, leading to the arrest of two of its affiliates, further tightening the noose around the syndicate known for its multi-million dollar extortion schemes. Demonstrating a swagger rarely seen in law enforcement announcements, the NCA has effectively slapped LockBit with its own modus operandi, potentially signaling a bold approach to cybercrime takedowns. The operation has not only nabbed affiliates and frozen over 200 cryptocurrency accounts, but has also gathered a treasure trove of intelligence, including decryption keys and the gang's source code. This wealth of data stands as a testament to the coordination of global authorities, delivering a clear message. They're not just on LockBit's trail, they're steps ahead, ready to dismantle and mock the cybercriminals' efforts with relentless and tenacious resolve. Veronis Threat Labs uncovered serious vulnerabilities and misconfigurations in Apex, a programming language akin to Java that's used for customizing Salesforce platforms. The misconfigurations were found within several Fortune 500 companies and government agencies. These issues pose a risk not just to large organizations, but to any entity utilizing Apex off-the-shelf applications potentially leading to data leaks, corruption, and harm to business operations. Veronis emphasizes the importance of securing Apex classes, especially those running without sharing, to prevent unauthorized data access and maintain the security of Salesforce instances. A federal appeals court has overturned a $1 billion piracy verdict against Cox Communications, originally decided in 2019, for copyright infringement by its users. 
The court dismissed Sony's argument that Cox directly profited from these infringements. This verdict necessitates a new trial for damages, likely reducing the compensation amount. Despite rejecting the vicarious liability claim, the court upheld the finding of Cox's willful contributory infringement. The case, initiated by Sony and other music copyright holders, accused Cox of not adequately combating piracy on its network. This ruling has implications for how ISPs manage copyright infringement claims and could alleviate concerns that harsh penalties might compel ISPs to disconnect users based on mere accusations of infringement, a scenario that advocacy groups like the Electronic Frontier Foundation have warned against. The case now returns to the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia for a new damages trial. Rob Joyce, the NSA Cybersecurity Director, will retire at the end of March after 34 years of service. Joyce's tenure was marked by significant engagements, including shaping a Trump-era executive order for greater cybersecurity accountability. His departure coincides with heightened security concerns due to potential cyber threats from countries like China and Russia, especially with the upcoming presidential election. Joyce's career also included leading the NSA's Tailored Access Operations Unit, focusing on cyber warfare and intelligence gathering. General Timothy Hogg praised Joyce's leadership and contributions to the NSA's cybersecurity mission. David Luber, the cybersecurity directorate's second-in-command, will take his place. In a comprehensive interview with Wired, Ann Neuberger, Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technology, discusses her critical role in steering the United States' cybersecurity and emerging technology policies under the Biden administration, drawing on her decade-long tenure at the National Security Agency and her experience leading the Cybersecurity Directorate. Newberger outlines her office's achievements and ongoing efforts to safeguard national security amid evolving cyber and technological threats. She touches on several key initiatives, including the government's response to the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, the development and implementation of major executive orders on cybersecurity and artificial intelligence, and strategies to protect critical infrastructure. Newberger also delves into the challenges and opportunities presented by emerging technologies, such as AI, autonomous vehicles, and quantum computing, emphasizing the importance of international cooperation and proactive policymaking to address these issues. The interview provides insight into Newberger's vision for a secure and technologically advanced future, reflecting her commitment to leveraging technology for societal benefit while mitigating its risks. VMware has issued a warning for users to uninstall the deprecated Enhanced Authentication plugin due to a high-risk vulnerability with a CVSS score of 9.6. This flaw enables attackers to manipulate domain users with the EAP installed in their browsers into relaying service tickets for any Active Directory service principal names, leading to potential arbitrary authentication relay and session hijacking incidents. No workarounds are available for this vulnerability, highlighting the need for immediate removal of the plugin. Discovery of the issue has been credited to Sari Coburn of Pentest Partners. Hackread reports that Robert Half International, a leading global staffing and consulting firm, 
has fallen victim to a data breach orchestrated by hackers known as Intel Broker and Sanjiero. This breach involves the theft of significant amounts of sensitive data, including confidential records, employee and customer information, and configuration details for services like OpenAI and Twilio. The information is now being sold on breach forums for $20,000 in Monero cryptocurrency, with screenshots of the stolen data showing a client list with comprehensive contact details. The extent of the breach and the total number of affected individuals remain unclear, and Robert Half International has yet to issue a formal response. They previously fell victim to a similar data breach back in 2022. Coming up after the break, my conversation with Navneet Singh, VP of Marketing Network Security at Palo Alto Networks. We're discussing the transition to the cloud, and he's got some examples from healthcare. Stay with us. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Everybody, want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show Navneet Singh. He is the VP of Marketing Network Security at Palo Alto Networks. Uh, Nava, I, great to have you back. And um, we're going to talk today about OT. We're going to talk today about OT, operational technology security. Uh, and it's my understanding that this is something that you have a, a personal history with, that uh, OT and critical infrastructure are kind of near and dear to your heart. 
That's right, Dave. I grew up in a small town in India. Uh, my dad worked in a fertilizer manufacturing plant. He was in the production department, and my mom also worked in the same company. She was in materials department. And uh, actually, that small town, even though only 10,000 people, is actually well-known in India. If you ask people in India what it's known for, it's actually known for a large dam. When it was constructed, it was the highest in Asia with a hydroelectric power plant. So, you know, as I was growing up, I was looking at these symbols of uh, critical infrastructure that India was investing in as it, uh, you know, after it gained independence from, uh, from the UK. So I was looking at that and, and uh, really that was my personal connection as I was growing up. Now, as a security professional, I witnessed the alarming rise of sophisticated attacks that happen. They are targeting our, our critical infrastructure. And that convergence of my childhood observations with the, what I'm seeing as a professional, that has really deepened my commitment to securing the critical infrastructure. Well, let's start with some basics here. I mean, in your estimation, why is it important to protect critical infrastructure in OT environments? You know, these systems, they underpin vital sectors of our economy, such as electricity, water, transportation, healthcare, and, and, and more. And so you can imagine a successful attack on these, it could lead to catastrophic outcomes, really disrupting our everyday life. It could endanger public health and safety. It could cause significant economic damage. And uh, this really uh, you know, is brought home to people I talked to with uh, some examples. Uh, a few months ago, there was a cyber attack on the Municipal Water Authority in Pennsylvania. And so the hackers were able to gain access to a water pressure booster station. It was a controller that controlled the water pressure. And uh, when that happened, the authorities were able to see that that had ha hack happened, and they were able to revert to manual operations, and no harm was done. But later, uh, the attackers were allegedly aligned to an Iranian group that was discovered later. So think about it. Even though no harm was caused by this attack, nation states can potentially get access to our water supply. So another example is in May of last year, 22 energy firms were hacked, and that was done in a coordinated attack on Denmark's critical infrastructure. So you know all these sectors, energy, water, transportation, logistics, all of these are on the table for the attackers. So you mentioned, you know, that one of these attacks was uh, allegedly uh, assigned to Iranian actors. Why do you suppose that critical infrastructure is a target for folks like this? Yeah, Dave. So when I talk to customers, they really tell me that their OT environments are changing really fast. So. You and I, we are knowledge workers. We work on our laptops. I work on my mobile phone as well, right? I badge in and work uh, on the computer, um, even work from home. We can't imagine a life without Wi-Fi, without connectivity, without having data at our fingerprints. So all of us are connected to what we call the IT networks, which is completely connected. But there is this whole uh, environment of OT or operational technology, which was never connected in the past. Think of factory floors, think of nuclear power plants, think of electricity grids, right? But now 
more and more sensors like IoT devices are being connected and they are in these OT environments, but they produce a lot of data that can trans gets transferred to the IT uh, area where people like you and I look at the data, analyze it, and make decisions that improve productivity, that improve quality of life. And especially with AI, more and more data gets processed and it promises innovation. So that's all great. And connectivity is really required, but that connectivity also leads a pathway for attackers to reach these OT environments, which was not possible before. So that's the primary reason. Another reason that customers talk about is also people. Uh, customers tell me that when OT environments needed to be secured because of connectivity, often their IT teams were asked to secure these OT environments, and IT teams did not have the skills. They did not know what policies to apply to these OT sensors, for example. So that's another gap. And these are the two main reasons why we are seeing more attacks on OT right now. Hmm. Well, in terms of, of the trends that you and your colleagues are tracking about when it comes to securing these OT environments, what, what sort of things are you seeing? Yeah, one thing, uh, actually, Dave, we talked about recently on this podcast, the Biden administration had released the national cybersecurity strategy that happened last year. Mm. It recommended the adoption of a zero-trust architecture, especially in critical industries. And that sparked a lot of interest from critical sector industries. We at Palo Alto Networks saw customers lean in, arise in executive briefings from these customers, and they wanted to know more about zero trust. They wanted to know more about how to implement it, how long does it take, what are the best practices that others have implemented, and so on. So that's why I, I believe that there are three major things that I would say in terms of uh, if you are in the critical infrastructure, three things that you should do. One if you haven't read it, go familiarize yourself with the National Cybersecurity Strategy. And if you are somewhere outside the United States, I'm sure governments and other agencies are producing similar cybersecurity documents. Two, in your organization, if different teams manage the security of IT and OT, in that case, bring them together so that they can discuss and create a holistic cybersecurity strategy that spans both IT and OT systems. If your IT teams are being held responsible for OT security now, then invest in skills training. Third, um, you really don't have to do it alone. You should choose a cybersecurity partner who can help with all of this. Choose a partner who understands OT, who talks the language of your industry, and who can help you build a cybersecurity roadmap for your organization. Can we talk about some specifics here? I mean, what, what are some of the, the kinds of attacks that, that tend to happen in an OT environment? Yeah, some of these attacks are um, really targeted at uh, the uh, disrupting everyday life. So I think a lot of us are familiar with the colonial pipeline attack. Mm. So in that attack, uh, somebody was able to gain access to a VPN system that... Uh, hacked the billing systems and the billing systems were taken offline. And when the billing system is not happening at that time, the uh, organization, even though they had been operating very well for more than 50 years, for the first time in their history, they had to shut down the pipeline for 13 days. That affected, you know, that had gas shortages, affected uh, fuel that you and I use to drive. It also affected airlines. So that's an example. Everybody is also familiar, I think, uh, with the uh, 
the Ukrainian power grid uh, that happened a few years ago. And in that example, somebody was able to gain access again through a VPN. They were able to gain access to um, the OT environment or power grid and was able to pass some OT protocols that just shut down the grid. In addition, they also uh, had a DDoS attack so that people could not even contact the command center or the customer service center. And people were without power in freezing temperatures two days before Christmas for uh, uh, six to eight hours. And imagine what loss of power would do, especially to um, the ICUs in hospitals. So those are just some examples of how it affects our everyday life. Yeah, I mean, it's serious stuff for sure. What are your recommendations here? I mean, for for some of the folks that you're working with, you know, people who uh, are dealing with critical infrastructure and OT environments, what are the words of wisdom that you can share with us today? Yeah, so I think uh, as we were mentioning, I think it's really critical for you to uh, see what strategies are others implementing and the national cybersecurity strategy is one document that you can just take a look at uh, what are the recommendations from CISA, for example, uh, in the United States Center for Infrastructure and Cybersecurity Agency. So you can just take a look at what others are implementing, what are the recommendations, especially for implementing a zero trust architecture and People gap is another area that you need to continue to invest in, bringing IT and OT teams together, investing in skills training so that the IT security teams know what kinds of policies to apply to, to the OT infrastructure. And thirdly, you can also uh, use the capabilities that AI provides. Many cybersecurity vendors actually uh, are using AI. We use AI to recommend policies to these OT environments based on all the data that we are seeing from different customers. So choose a vendor that can help you implement those policies and even help you bridge that skills gap. Navar, are you optimistic as we continue through this year that uh, that we're gaining ground on, on this issue? Do, do you feel like uh, folks are getting a handle on things? Of course, Dave. I believe that... Uh, the organizations that have OT environments, they are becoming more aware of the risk facing them, especially due to these high-profile attacks. And we will see them shore up their defenses in 2024 and beyond. Ultimately, as you know, right, we all want a world where we can reap the benefits of AI, of 5G connectivity, and other emerging technologies. But we want the world to do it safely. And I really see that, that that's possible with cybersecurity. Navneet Singh is VP of Marketing Network Security at Palo Alto Networks. Nav, thanks so much for joining us. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-plus year partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. 
That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. And finally, cybersecurity professionals have started an online petition opposing the Canadian government's proposed ban on the Flipper Zero, a portable device which features all sorts of clever ways to interact with other devices using RF protocols like RFID, NFC, and radio remotes. The Canadian government claims the ban is aimed at combating vehicle theft. Opponents believe the policy is based on outdated technological assumptions and will not effectively prevent thefts, but could instead stifle innovation and harm the economy. Furthermore, they say it may conflict with recent legislative support for the right to repair and interoperability, penalizing legitimate analysis and repair activities. They suggest that resources would be better spent collaborating with cybersecurity experts and industry stakeholders to enhance automotive security and establish minimum security standards for keyless entry systems. We don't question the Canadian government's good intentions here, but their proposal does seem to lack nuance. When all you have is a legislative hammer, everything looks like a nail. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karf. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. Cyber.